The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on a gorgeous Tuesday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He is Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. And we are joined by Kristen Clemente of Auburn 247, our recruiting guru back in the studio. Kristen, it's good to see you, brother. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, haven't been on the show in a little while, but yeah, it's been a you, minute. Yeah, saw you last week, so that was good. Um, I was half awake at Media Days, but <laughs> you guys were rolling, pumping out content, so that was good. Yeah, we were pumping out a bunch of content. You had just gotten back from a amazing golf trip, is what it looked like to me, and you had gone to some amazing courses. Yeah, it was one of the best trips of my life, to be honest. We played. Wow, there were six of us. We played seven rounds of golf in eight days, um, which is very taxing. It's especially taxing when. I think I sprained my ankle or something. Two weeks later, it's still swollen, which is somewhat concerning. How did you sprain your ankle playing golf? So there was an elevated tee box, and we were we were like we were running back to the cart and going down the hill. Stepped in like a little hole, <laughs> oh. and it like it popped like it audibly oh, popped. Tony Finau two point oh. Yes, I so, thought uh, that, I thought it was going to be like you hit a hole in one <laughs> and we're celebrating like Tony Finau when yeah. he hurt himself. No, I wish it was a lot dumber, um, and that made for a very difficult round of golf because that happened on hole four. So when you can't put a lot of pressure on your front foot, it becomes really difficult. It was the front foot. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think that would be worse. Well, yeah. So I went to Sweetens Cove, what two three probably three months ago. Uh, up in uh, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, which okay. which they all of their mascots are the same mascots as the city of Pitt, Pitts, Pittsburgh in in uh, huh. Pennsylvania. By by the way, I think it's very funny. Uh, but we played like thirty six or thirty seven holes in one day, and like because you you just keep going, and at the end of it, I couldn't like extend my arm because I did something to my elbow and then for the yeah. next two weeks my forearm was like black and purple I don't feel bad old. for either one of, I don't feel bad for either one of you for going to get play fancy courses and have golf injuries that must be terrible was, to get hurt on the golf a course party for for my buddy whose wedding yeah, I'm going to in a couple yeah, weeks yeah 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 well I have I couldn't tell you the last time I got to play golf so you guys just take take advantage, go see pretty courses, and I'll get out there eventually when when <laughs> there's no sports to talk about. Well, Christian, it's good to have you on the show once again. Uh, obviously, tons to talk about when it comes to Auburn football recruiting, so we will get into that here in hour number one. We'll talk about what's already happened. We'll kind of get caught up as we get into what will be a busy, busy week starting tomorrow for Auburn football and, of course, Big Cat weekend coming up this weekend on the Plains. So that's what's coming up in hour number one. Then Daryl Dapperge will join us in hour number two at 3.30. Uh, He is going to join us on the show to talk some Auburn football, get us kind of caught up in in talking this weekend as well. So that's 
what's coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open if you have a question for us. More importantly, a question for Christian about recruiting, what's coming up, what could possibly happen with Auburn recruiting. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. The number again, 334-321-1390. And as I mentioned, Christian, I want to to kind of get caught up on uh, what what has been happening over the past couple of weeks. Uh, as we're 39 days away from kickoff, by the way, for Auburn football, getting us caught up to this point. Uh, you've had a couple of commits; they were a, a while ago, right? Hasn't been anything super crazy, but what can you tell our listeners, kind of getting them up to speed before what's going to be a crazy 10 days or so? Yeah, well, Auburn's kind of been steadily staying in the news cycle, and I think that's been by plan a little bit. You know, we saw, let's see, the first one would have been DJ Barber on July 4th. I don't think anyone else was in July before DJ Barber. I can double-check that for you because you have a great tool on your uh, website that, that just puts their commitment dates. That makes things easier. But I think DJ Barber was the first on the 4th. Then you saw Malik blocked in on the 8th. Then it was yes. Jalen Crawford on the 15th. So Auburn has kind of staggered these guys out a little bit. And I think that's been by plan to just keep adding one by one, stay in the news. You know, Florida, for example, got a bunch of guys in a short amount of time and then it kind of died off. And Auburn is kind of slowly staggering them out. I don't know which one is better. I don't think it necessarily matters that much, but that's just kind of the way Auburn has attacked it. And now that you're leading into Big Cat, you've got Demarcus Riddick announcing tomorrow, which is obviously the huge one. Because if you can flip the uh, composite five-star linebacker from Georgia, then all of a sudden you have a lot of buzz, more than you have already for Big Cat. What uh, time is that? Four o'clock Central. Okay, I got you. Because, I mean, look, if you do that, then that's two head-to-head battles with Georgia that you've won. That's also a head-to-head battle with Alabama. Yep. Uh, and we know about some of the names that Auburn's been talking to as well going into Big Cat Weekend. It's been a long time since we've seen Auburn win these battles against those two schools. What does it say? To because because I see a lot of a lot of Auburn fans being like, oh, like the he's not recruiting that much better than Brian Harson and them because there's 11 commits right now, which I don't agree with. But there's more to recruiting than just commitments and. What does it say to you that Auburn is in these fights with these Georgia and Alabama commits uh, trying to, to flip them? How, how different is that than the last staff and Brian Harson and everybody? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, to be honest, the old staff, they tried it a little bit, but for a lot of recruitments, they kind of just backed down and said, oh, they're committed to Alabama, they're committed to Georgia, time to move on. If you don't want to play here, then we don't want you anyway. Yeah. Um, this staff has, in a short amount of time, come in and said, "You know, hey, Demarcus Riddick, hey, Perry Thompson, you know, whoever, you're already committed to this other school, but we're here, we're new. Come at least give us a chance. Mm-hmm. Let us show you kind of what we can offer you and what you could bring to our program. And you know, this staff has had to play a lot of catch-up with a lot of guys, namely Demarcus Riddick, mm-hmm. one of the best players in the state, one of the best players in the country, who the old staff didn't really show much attention to at all, and that can sour kids, definitely. So... Not only do you have to play catch up, you have to play. I don't know what the best word would be for it. You have. It's a very uphill battle. Wasn't Riddick uh, Hugh Freeze's first, I guess, visit as a head coach? He got on campus and didn't he immediately go go watch him play like high school basketball or something immediately that day? I think he went to go and visit Riddick. 
it wasn't the basketball game because I was there and Kirby Smart was at that basketball uh. game. Um, but I know that Riddick was a huge priority for mm-hmm. Freeze and Josh Aldridge really immediately, and they got a lot of that early momentum. I mean, Auburn wasn't in the top ten for some of these kids, and now they're right here in the thick of it at the very end. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the Joe Phillips recruitment is one that I'll always go back to and you know proof of concept a little bit, and the fact that Auburn had the momentum, they lost it, Georgia got all the momentum. It's been pretty much impossible for Auburn to beat Georgia in recruitments. Um, for the past however long, many years. And not only did Auburn, man, you know, they recognized that Georgia got the momentum. They weren't, you know, they weren't totally caught off guard by Georgia. And then they got the momentum back there at the end and they actually got his commitment, which is huge. And so this staff kind of recognizes stuff like that. And, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow with Demarcus Riddick. But a lot of the buzz right now is around Auburn, which would be, it, it would be so huge for Auburn. The last time Auburn flipped a Georgia commit, was Darius Slayton. He's on his second NFL contract now. Like, wow. It's been that long. Mm. Christian, a, a question and a, a topic that is as old as time. If you had to, going into tomorrow, because I think tomorrow is obviously the day that will kick things off if, if things go right for Auburn and what could be a very, very successful and loud two weeks. If you had to give a grade for what Auburn has done in recruiting up to this point, before tomorrow, and Demarcus Riddick, what type of a job have they done to this point in your mind? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would go like B, B plus. You know, they're they're right there. You get a Demarcus Riddick, all of a sudden you're an A minus for me. If you can keep it rolling and get like a Perry Thompson, you're an A or you're an A plus already. Um, you know, there's still holes in this class. The defensive line still needs a little work, although they're trending in a positive direction with TJ Lindsay. Kamari on Franklin will be back on campus this week. So there's some names there. The O line still needs some work, but there's going to be some top O line targets at Big Cat. Um, we'll talk about them later. So I think they've done solid. Uh, I believe the class. Someone had posted, I'd have to look exactly, I don't remember, but of the 11 commits, I think nine or four stars. Um, and you look at the top guys, Yes. You look, at, you look at Walker White winning that battle. You look at winning the Joe Phillips battle like we just talked about. Auburn feels really good about really all of the guys that they've gotten. Um, and so they're filling out the class well. Jalen Crawford is one that kind of just flew under the radar a little bit, but that's, a, yeah. that's like a top 200 top 150 guy right in that range who yeah Auburn really liked and Florida was pushing really really hard at the end and doing everything that they could to try and get him but Auburn held on and landed him so how about this DB class that's already strong and there's a path for it arguably to be the strongest DB class Auburn's maybe ever signed yeah they I mean the foundation there is incredible and it all started last year with Big Cat Weekend when Zach Etheridge went out and got him on lane to kickstart the class a little bit but now you've got Kensley Faustin who Auburn thinks really really highly of at safety Jaden Lewis who can kind of do it all and bounce around obviously Jalen Crawford then you can go after some of these big dogs now you're seeing it they slowed down with some of their other targets and they put the focus on KJ Bolden the five-star put the focus on Zaquan Patterson who's a really highly rated four-star Jalewis Solomon is really the main cornerback target that's still remaining And Auburn thinks the world of him, especially after he was so good at seven-on-seven camp this summer, Um, and he'll be back for Big Cat. All three of those guys will be back for Big Cat. You've got Jalen Hayward, who just decommitted from Georgia, um, who's expected to be at Big Cat, although he's not confirmed that with me. So 
there's some really, really high-end names there that Auburn is still pursuing. One of the guys that is committed, you mentioned his name a few times already, Joseph Phillips, and what sticks out to me, besides the fact that he's a four-star linebacker, 6'2", 250 pounds, the fact that he is right down the road. I mean, he is in Tuskegee. like He is right down the road from Auburn where... In the past, Auburn has not had great success recruiting in their own backyard, and they've let teams like Alabama, like Georgia, like a Clemson come in and recruit right off the back porch. And I think that's what really excites me about a guy like Joseph Phillips, like some of these other guys that we'll talk about coming up in a little bit that are going to be at Big Cat Weekend that Auburn has been in the door with and conversations with, has made top fives, top threes for. You're getting guys here and around the neighborhood but you're also starting to pick guys from across the state of Alabama yeah Joe Phillips was a cannot lose recruitment in my mind if Auburn you know the the mantra was flip the script if Auburn really wanted to flip the script Joe Phillips was one you cannot lose especially to Georgia one of your biggest rivals you can't let them come in your backyard and pluck a school who you were the first to offer. It was Cadillac Williams and the interim staff that offered him first. Mm-hmm. He grew up an Auburn fan. He's just 20 minutes down the road. That's one you can't lose. And Auburn recognized that. And when all of a sudden Georgia had the momentum, they buckled down, did everything they could to get him, and now he's on the commit list. So that was you know, that was obviously huge. And then the other thing, and we've heard it from kids in the state as well, is Hugh Freeze is telling them, look, my first priority is the state of Alabama. We're going to win the state. You know, This is where we're going to have our foundation and it's pretty clear a lot of Auburn's class is focused in Alabama. And based on the way Alabama is trending with high school kids, that's good because last year's class was might have been the best in Alabama history. This year's not quite as top-heavy, but it's really deep. The 2025 class has potential to be the best in state history. Wow. Um, and it's just so loaded. So Hugh Freeze and the staff recognize that, and they've hit the state really, really hard. How How big is it because Auburn has all of these – legacy kind of connections to this 25 class how big could it be for Auburn to leverage those to help build out uh the the second full class of the Hugh Freeze era yeah it'll be huge the 25 class will be the 24 class is obviously very very important um, and the staff recognizes that but the 25 class in all honesty is the the one true class where or it's the first true class that Hugh Freeze and this staff are playing on even footing with these other schools and you know even with some of these kids they're not guys like ryan williams talk about legacy is already committed to alabama um but for the most part it's their it's their opportunity to really make a mark and you talk about the legacies like ryan williams a generational talent at receiver you talk about these other guys in the state you talk about some of the quarterbacks they're after like deuce knight and antoine hill um you know i had stories today on eric winters out of enterprise who's a really really fun player at linebacker and safety Alvin Henderson breaking Cadillac Williams records at the high school state level um, and a huge target for Auburn in 2025. There's so many good names in that class. And like Carter said, there's a decent amount of legacy connections there as well. So Auburn has Auburn's got a good chance to make a really big splash in 2025 well uh, for for a school like Auburn and for so many of these kids that do have the legacy or the connections like there is no reason that Auburn shouldn't be using that to their advantage in landing some of the biggest names in the state when they have those connections to Auburn other schools do it when they have kids that are legacies or grew up fans of the Georgia Bulldogs or the Alabama Crimson Tide or whatever like those schools take advantage and they take the gimmies and they make the 
them actually gimmies, where Auburn has not really had any gimme recruits in the last few years, I seem like. They've had to work for huh. everything, and sometimes Bo they Nicks. haven't worked for those. <laughs> yeah. Bo Nix literally like the only one. Yeah, Bo Nix was the only me. one, and you couldn't keep him because he decided to leave. Like, it, it just seems... Because you had two coaches that didn't know how to right. manage a quarterback and develop them. Well, and that's where I was going with that, too, is not only do you have to get those kids who want to come to Auburn and should be at Auburn, then you've got to find a way to keep them. And I'm not worried about that under Freeze and this staff, but that's a huge part of it is not just getting them to commit, but retending them as or retention as well. Well, it feels like for the first time you've got a staff that these – like, look at the receiver position – You've got a staff that these recruits can look at and say, okay, these guys have an actual track record with developing my position and getting mm-hmm. these guys to the NFL. Yep. The the Gus Malzahn era, especially in the early to mid part of his tenure, man, he landed some dudes out of high school that were really highly ranked. And other than like Darius Slayton, and I guess Anthony Schwartz, nobody's really made the NFL and I mean Anthony Schwartz I think could have made the NFL anywhere he went because he was the fastest man in college football in a straight line but but the I think you've got this staff that these kids actually believe they can be developed under and get to the NFL and I mean how big is that to to these kids when you talk to them Christian yeah I mean it's huge it's all proof of concept and it's even why Auburn has been a little slower in recruiting than some people maybe thought it would be because they want to see what happens this fall. I mean, that's huge for these kids. That's probably the most important thing. They want to make it to the NFL. So they want to see that what you're selling, they want to see it. And for some of these kids, they, they feel confident enough to commit. Now, some of them want to see the product on the field this fall, which is perfectly fine. Um, But that's just kind of the way it goes. And like Carter was talking about with receivers, it's just been a hurdle that Auburn has really struggled with. Auburn is, not produced elite receivers. It's just something that hasn't really happened at all. Um, and so, but Hugh Freeze has. Hugh Freeze had A.J. Brown. Hugh Freeze had D.K. Metcalf. And so he's hoping that that's enough with a guy like a Perry Thompson and hoping to try and flip him. I mean, he's had 1,000-yard receivers everywhere he's been, which I don't even know what that, like, I have not been a conscious enough Auburn fan to know what that looks like because it happened when I was two years old last, and, and it's only happened twice ever. And not only has he had 1,000-yard receivers, think about the quarterbacks that were there. Nothing, like, over-the-top special when it he came to quarterback Bo play. Wallace into a star in the SEC. Exactly. Which is like, he's... Exactly. Anywhere else, he would have been a pretty, like, average, middling SEC quarterback. If that. And that's what I'm saying. Hugh Freeze knows what he's doing. We'll continue talking Auburn football recruiting with Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 in studio for all of our number one. That's all coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7 for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We're joined by Christian Clemente of Auburn 247. Uh, It's been a little bit since we've had him on the show, but uh, we were able to take an hour of his time when it's about to be non-existent because you're going to (laughs) be so busy coming up with everything going on with Auburn football recruiting. So before we continue on, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find all your content, and uh, what's coming up. Yes, we'll obviously have 
wall-to-wall coverage of Big Cat, live updates, all that kind of stuff over at auburnundercover.com. Um, and then I'll have my coverage on Twitter at C. Clemente or X, whatever you want to call it, at C. Clemente 247. Stop. It's still Twitter. <laughs> no, but all it's of it's still, It's still Twitter in the link, but the logo is now officially Has the, it updated on our X. phones yet? It is Mine not. is still it Twitter is on, the, it, on the phone. It did so. on my computer, though. Yeah, it does on the computer, but I'm, I'm hoping if I don't update my phone, maybe it won't update yeah, I, Twitter. I saw, I I saw really a very... As a long very, as it works, it's fine with me. I saw a very <laughs> funny uh, tweet about... Um, Somebody, somebody took their home screen and they set up all of the things, all their apps. So it, it had the Twitter like bird app logo yeah. still, but once it updates to the X, their phone screen was going to read in apps. Texas is not back. Wow. And I was like, that's funny. How clever. That's pretty good. How clever. Well, uh, Christian, what is your what's your schedule going to be like this weekend? We're going to talk about Big Cat coming up at 2.30, so in just a few minutes. But what is your schedule looking like over the next couple of weeks? Because, uh, again, we, we're talking about all of the different guys that are committing, whether it to be Auburn or not. Auburn's in the mix for a lot of these guys. So what's your schedule look like the next few weeks? Yeah, well, it all gets rolling tomorrow um, with Demarcus Riddick's announcement. I'll be over there at Chilton County High School when he announces, so I'll have that at four o'clock, right? Four o'clock central. Yeah. Any chance he'll move that up to three <laughs> thirty? Probably not. Those things always run later uh, than yeah earlier. Um, but maybe I can put in a good word. Yeah, we we'll appreciate you. Yeah, but I'll get started with that, and then from there, it's a lot of on-site coverage of Big Cat and visitors. Guys will start rolling in early on Friday. Um, you know, some guys might come early. Some guys might, you know, arrive on Saturday and then stay until Sunday. So stuff like that. And then all kinds of stuff during big cat day. And then, uh, like Carter was talking about earlier, August 5th will be another big day with Jalua Solomon and KJ Bolden making Mm -hmm. their announcements. So both those guys will be at big cat. We'll see what Aubrey can do and if they can get some more positive news there on August 5th. Well, be sure you keep up with Christian on Twitter and at Auburn247. Everybody over there does such a fantastic job, and, and you all are uh, just so, so good at what you do. But uh, we got a few minutes before we get to break, and then uh, we do talk about Big Cat Weekend. You talked, you brought something up that I wanted to 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 reconsider here, Christian, when you were talking about the 2025 class for Auburn and you mentioned that that may be where Auburn is actually competing on level playing field with everybody else do you believe that that's the year where Auburn football recruiting will be on that same level with at least fairness wise right not being behind and not having to play catch up and whatever do you think 2025 is the year that Auburn will at least have the same shot as everybody else with any player they want in the country yeah, you're still a little behind, um, but it's a lot more "quote unquote" fair than 2024 is. 2024, you were playing extreme catch up. 2025, you're only playing catch up with a couple of guys. Guys like Ryan Williams committed to Alabama. Jaden Perlody, um, a linebacker that Alvin really likes, is committed to Georgia. So you're playing catch up a little bit, but you're a lot more on equal footing. And you know, Carter was talking about it earlier, and the names all just started to kind of come to my head, but. Obviously, Ryan Williams is a legacy, but you have Ja'Caleb Falk, who I wasn't even thinking about. C.J. May, who's cousins with the Falk family. They all played um, together at Highland Home when Keldrick was there, and obviously C.J. and Ja'Caleb are still there. So, there's Yeah, between those guys, like Ryan Williams, Zayden Walker, all Zayden Walker, of these yep. guys. There's so many big names, man. How many how many like legacy connections Auburn has in that 25 class, and it feels like if you can just – Pick up some momentum in this 23 season and this 24 class. 
you might be able to have a huge 25 class. Yeah, you've got a lot of potential. I'm still – tomorrow will tell a lot for me in the 24 class, in my opinion. If Auburn gets DeMarcus Riddick, I think the floodgates can open. Then I think you could – I think Auburn has a very real shot with Perry Thompson. I would maybe even lean Auburn like 51-49 with Perry Thompson. But if you get DeMarcus Riddick, that's kind of my – that's kind of my cue. Like, okay, yeah, this staff, they can do it. We have – you know, we already have some proof of concept with Joe Phillips and with Walker White, but mm-hmm. Demarcus Riddick would be a whole new animal with flipping from Georgia and going head to head with Alabama. So if they get Demarcus Riddick on Wednesday, it's it's game on for Saturday, in my opinion. Well, I think that the twenty four class and the success that Auburn has over the next really over the next two weeks really determines how fair the recruiting in 2025 is going to be because if Auburn can knock it out of the park in twenty four with how far behind they already were then I will think that they'll be right there with everybody else recruiting in 2025 because it won't be a thorn in the side. They won't be a liability. Auburn will be a legitimate player in 2025. Yeah, I kind of talked about it on the board earlier this week. It's kind of, in basketball terms, you got to see one go through the net, kind of. you got to get one of those big ones. Then all of a sudden, you have all that momentum, and all the kids are asking, what's going on at Auburn? Well, they'll find out this weekend for Big Cat Weekend here on the Plains. We'll talk about that with Kristen Clemente when we come back. Coming up on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We're joined by Christian Clemente in studio, but more importantly, we're joined by Terry on the phone lines who called in and we may or may not have... Uh, 100% my fault. 100%. <laughs> left him on hold. So Terry, happy Tuesday. You're on the line, man. What's up? Hey guys, how's it going? Going well, going uh, well. Got a question for Christian, but first of all, Jacob and Carter... This is why I was such a pro Hugh Freeze guy. You're seeing it right now. Yep. Yeah. It's I know it's it's unbelievable. It really is. And uh, for Christian, is this really reminiscent? It is in my mind what Nick Saban did when he got to Alabama, flipping all the recruits coming into Auburn, getting you know getting Foster and, and, and Evans and those kids. Yeah, that's a little before my time, but it's definitely. I was talking. But you with, see what I'm talking about? Yes, right? I see what you're talking about. And I was talking with Jason Caldwell, who I work with, and you know, he was comparing this Big Cat Weekend to some of the really early ones when Chiswick really first started it and trying to make that splash instantly. And I think the thing that you can go back to with Freeze is just look at what he did at Ole Miss when he started there and flipping five stars and Laramie Tunsil and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, w- with what you were saying, it's 100 percent right. He's trying to make that splash instantly, and Walt. Auburn might not win the SEC necessarily this year. He wants to show that they've got the potential to be strong on the field and that the recruiting classes moving forward are going to get Auburn to that point. You know, people forget that not only did Nick Saban flip players, he flipped coaches. James Willis left Auburn and went to Alabama. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just that, that, was, that was hard for Auburn fans in Birmingham, Alabama to swallow, I promise you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, you're right about that. So, guys, take care. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate the call, Terry. Good to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Uh, want to get into, obviously, what's coming up. We were kind of talking about what's been happening, what Hugh Freeze and the staff have been doing. Uh, but the next 10 days, 14 days is where you make or break right here, I think, for Auburn in 2024 and beyond. Not that you'll be 
down and out if you don't land some of these guys. But this is your opportunity for Auburn to get some of the biggest names in the state, some of the biggest names in the class. And it starts tomorrow with DeMarcus Riddick. Yeah, this is your chance. Um, like you just said, it's not over. You have until December, until signing day. You still have a long way, but it feels like it's setting up for Auburn to land DeMarcus Riddick tomorrow. And then if you land DeMarcus Riddick, it feels like maybe some dominoes are going. You could land Perry Thompson. Then maybe all of a sudden if you land, you know, if you flip two five-stars from your rivals in the span of a week and K.J. Bolden is sitting there on Saturday and he watches Perry Thompson flip, obviously this is hypothetically, maybe all of a sudden K.J. Bolden's feeling Auburn a little bit more than he even was already. Um, maybe DeAndre Carter, the big offensive lineman from California, decides, yeah. hey, it's it's time to hop in the boat. So How about that one? Is is and I know at one point Auburn was was after the running back from DeAndre Carter's Nathaniel uh, Frazier. Is he going to be at Big Cat I, or not? There was a chance. I haven't heard anything. I saw Georgia picked up some mom- momentum yeah. here recently. I, which I, they already have two of the top ten backs in the <laughs> class. What is going on there? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but I know Auburn really would hope that he would visit. Um, I'm just not sure if that'll happen. But I know DeAndre Carter is visiting, which is huge because he's. Really, Auburn's top offensive line target. He's making the trip a little over a month after his official visit. This time, he's paying for it because it's not an official mm-hmm. visit. So he's coming all the way from California back to Auburn. This That's huge. I don't want to say this is your your last chance, but this is probably one of your last chances to get him back on campus. So you, yeah. would, you would love to have him leave campus committed mm-hmm. this time. My uh, joke that I made to Jacob off the air was if Auburn were to somehow land uh, – Nate Frazier and DeAndre Carter that Auburn was building up a bigger uh, pipeline at modern day than they are at Central High School just just down the street. You would be unironically right. (laughs) Well, uh, Christian, with Bit, we have uh, of course two commitments set before Big Cat Weekend, but then a massive Big Cat Weekend. Uh, I remember you and I sitting here a year ago talking about a Big Cat weekend, nothing like what we're going to see on Saturday. Do you have the confirmed list that you could tell our listeners uh, if they have yet to see it or if it's been updated since the last time they looked at it? Uh, the confirmed list of guys who are going to be here and uh, and just talk about the, the relevancy of some of those biggest names that are going to be on campus this weekend. Yeah, let me go through the list. Um, this is a running list, so names can change. We've been adding names, subtracting names, whatnot. Um, all of Auburn's commits are planning to be there in the 2024 class and Malik Autry in the 25 class, so I'm not going to read those names off. But you've got five-star defensive back K.J. Bolden, five-star wide receiver Perry Thompson. Demarcus Riddick has told me previously that he's planning to be at Big Cat. Now, if he doesn't commit to Auburn tomorrow on Wednesday, he won't be at Big Cat. But it's kind of somewhat telling and somewhat interesting that he says he's planning to be at Big Cat. You can read the tea leaves there a little bit. Um, then you've got four-star linebacker Bradley Shaw, DeAndre Carter, Jalewis Solomon, Saquon Patterson, Malcolm Simmons, Duke Watson, a running back committed to Louisville. Uh, You've got, let's see, keep going down the list, Reese Baker, the offensive lineman from Madison Academy. He's a three-star. And then you have three-star defensive lineman Dimitri Nicholas out of Florida. In the 25 class, Zion Grady might be there. He accidentally committed to going to Tennessee and going to Auburn's event on Saturday. He didn't realize they were the same day. So he's he's working through that process. Whoops. Um, he could be there. <laughs> I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often though. <laughs> but he could be there. If not, it's okay. He's from just down the road. He's been to Auburn a bunch. Um Ja'Caleb Falk and CJ May, like we talked about earlier, are both gonna be there. Jaden Perlodi, that linebacker committed to Georgia, will probably be there. 
he planned to be there, and then FSU hit him up, and so he was trying to figure out his plans for sure. Derek Smith out of Southside Selma, who's a really, really good wide receiver that doesn't get a lot of attention because of Ryan Williams. Rightfully so. Ryan Williams is very good, but Derek Smith is very good his own right. You have Jared Smith um, out of Spain Park. These are 2025 guys, by the way. That um, Spain Park team, actually, I'm thinking of Clay Chalkville. Colors are the same, but that that, that, that Clay Chalkville team has Clay a, lot of, loaded. Yes. a lot of maybe they've got some a bunch of high-end guys, but they've also... They're deep with three-star guys in the 24 and 25 class as well. Yeah, they are. Um, Kevin Otis, four-star defensive lineman. Uh, Wade and Charles, a Florida wide receiver. Jordan Crawford, a four-star defensive lineman out of Parker. And then the three-star and unranked guys in 2025 are Spencer Dowland, offensive lineman, Dalen Upshaw, wide receiver. Grayshawn Swain, uh, an edge. Mal Waldrop, the big offensive tackle from Central. Tavares Dice, an offensive lineman from Langston Hughes. Uh, Jion Simon from Florida. Then you have some really underclassmen. Keenan Britt, K.J. Britt's younger brother in the 26 class. Hezekiah Harris, um, an edge rusher out in the 26 class. And then obviously you have freshman phenom that everyone in the state of Alabama loves, Trent Seaborn out of Thompson, yeah. the quarterback there. Um, he will be back in Auburn as well. What a list. He's he's the only like I feel more confident about him if he were to do the reclassify up two classes, having seen him win a state championship <laughs> as a fourteen year old. And beat Auburn uh, high by doing yeah, it. At the highest class in Alabama Man. than the than the kid from, from Florida that's gonna be the seventh string quarterback at Ole Miss this fall. Have you looked at Ole Miss's quarterback roster and how stupid it is right now? Well, isn't he only the fourth? Because they they have the well, three. they have three three star walk freshman walk ons. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> and so it's like, they, why do you have this many guys on the team? They're preparing for the injury bug to bite them really hard. Is what they're preparing for. <laughs> well, let me tell you this about Trent Seaborn. Here's the scary thing for teams in the state of Alabama. He looked even better this summer. It was seven on seven. But wow, did he look really, really good! All I know is that they he won looked, like every seven on seven they went to, right? Basically, uh, I think they went undefeated at every single seven on oh seven. Oh my they went gosh, to. I, man! I think they may have gone to like seven and won five of them, which is still crazy. Because I mean, you know, at some point somebody's going to get you in a se- especially in a seven on seven environment. Mm-hmm. But to win that much against schools from all over the southeast, because they're good. I mean, Alabama had schools from all over. Auburn had schools from all over. Yep, that's impressive. And this past year was four in a row for Thompson, right? State championship. Yep, they're going for the five, Pete. Oh, good God, man, that's unbelievable. <laughs> they might win. So he is a freshman in high school this upcoming year, correct? Yes, he, he was an eighth he grader will, last yes, he year. He will be a freshman and so. tore Auburn High School apart in the state championship. So we game are in talking here. about a scenario where Trent Seaborn can be a five-time Thompson state champion, eight straight state titles. Oh my God, <laughs> what a legacy! <laughs> yeah, he that is, would be unbelievable. And, and the best thing about Trent is, even with all of the the fame that he's gotten early, he is a fantastic kid. Mm-hmm. He, well, seems, he seems to legitimately really enjoy Auburn and his time that he spends on campus. And I know he's, even though they're like daggum near a decade different in age, he seems fairly close with Sawyer Pate. Uh, I saw one of one of his last visits to Auburn. He's been he was taking pictures with him, which I mean Sawyer Pate's like twenty one, so it's not that egregious like the age difference, but it feels that way because <laughs> Trent Seaborn's a baby. Yeah. He is. Well, uh, Christian, you ran through the list of the guys who are going to be here at Big Cat Weekend. Compare that to 
other Big Cat weekends that you've covered and compare that to other types of weekends like this at other major schools, whether it be Alabama, Georgia, whatever. I mean, compare that list to what you've seen this year and in the past. I mean, that's got to be up there, right? Yeah, so I've actually only covered one other Big Cat before because the year before I was partially doing recruiting, but I wasn't even in town. But last year's Big Cat, for Brian Harson, it was solid. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it could have been much better as we're seeing right now. Um, this is, you know, Jason would be a better person to answer that because he's been yeah. covering Auburn forever. But he said this is one of the best Big Cats really since it got started. And Gene Chizik really made a splash with Big Cat and this that idea. And Auburn was, you know, Auburn's big recruiting event and Gene Chizik starting Big Cat was kind of the first in a wave. And now every school has some sort of event. Some do it here at the end of July. I know like Texas A&M calls it like the pool party or something like that. Um, some of the other schools like Georgia does it right as recruiting opens back up um, kind of there at the end of May and they do the scavenger hunt they call it where Kirby Smart's in different places around campus and the recruits go with an assistant coach to go and find him and take hints and they're all in groups and stuff so everyone has their different way of doing different events Um, but in terms of you know big events and getting kids to campus this one stacks up with pretty much every other event I mean I think Georgia's scavenger hunt would maybe be a little bit bigger but for Auburn, for the circumstances of the 2024 class and what they're trying to do, this Big Cat has potential to be – it has potential to be a historic Big Cat for Auburn and potentially turning the program around. I think I asked you this last year when you were in here talking to me about this, and I, and I want you to, to, to tell our listeners about it again. What does Big Cat Weekend mean? What are they going to be doing? Why are they coming for, for Big Cat Weekend? Right? What, what all are they going to be doing when they're on campus this weekend? Yeah, so first off, it's called Big Cat Weekend, but it's really only a day. It's it's focused on Saturday. That's when all the events happen and whatnot. Um, but some guys, like I said, will they'll arrive early on Friday or they'll stay until Sunday or whatever. So while it's called Big Cat Weekend, it's really Big Cat Day. But right. keep rolling with the Big Cat Weekend name. That's just what it's always been called. Well, weekend so sounds better than a day. Exactly. Like, it just sounds better. Um, and But – during the day of Saturday, this is really a totally different visit than you're going to get at Auburn or you know, maybe some other schools do things similar, but it's it's not going to be your traditional visit. It's a lot more about getting to know each other. It's a lot more about having fun, really no football. You're not going to be watching film. You're not going to be breaking stuff down with the coaches. Like last year, they had like a watermelon eating contest and stuff like that. It's stuff like that. It's it's fun games, just just stuff like that where – it's about the coaches and the coaches' families are going to be there, getting to know the players and the players' families and whatnot. Um, and so it's more of just kind of a bonding experience and right. everybody getting a feel for each other outside of football and trying to get these guys, I don't know how to say it, the vibe of Auburn, trying mm-hmm. to get them to feel that. Are they still going to have the uh, water balloon fight and the scavenger hunt? Because uh, I, I just want, I want to know that on Saturday as these – Groups of players are running around Auburn's campus on a scavenger hunt. Christian's out there somewhere running around with them, no. just following all these groups. No. Um, I don't know if Auburn's done a scavenger hunt. I think I, I think in the Malzahn era at some okay. point there, there was yeah, one. I that know that, right. that there were like water balloon fights and stuff like that. And so, no, I they, mean, I, Yeah, they've done water balloons and stuff like that. I actually don't know what they're planning to do this year. I'm hoping to get some more details on that before Saturday. But it's always just events like that playing cornhole like i don't know just 
stuff like that. Right, just having fun, right? Yes. Yeah, just, taking yes. taking away the stresses of high school recruiting, right? Taking away the stress of Auburn trying to recruit these guys and these guys trying to make decisions that impact their entire future and their families. Like, I mean, that's just it's it's a good weekend for them to do that, and it's supposed to be a fun event for you and your families. I think that's a big part of it that's, as well. That's huge, especially with the coaches' families. The coaches' families will talk with the families of the recruits while the recruits are with the current players and the other recruits and the coaches and whatnot. And everybody kind of mingles around and gets to meet each other, and it's a good opportunity for everybody to kind of get connected a little bit and get a comfortable sense, I guess you could say. Get comfortable with the parents, get comfortable with who their kid would be around at Auburn, and the kid get just a little bit more comfortable with not you know Zach Etheridge, the coach, but Zach Etheridge, the person. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about expectations for Big Cat Weekend in the next two weeks for Auburn. When we come back with Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, we'll wrap up hour number one on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line and wrapping up our conversation with Christian Clemente of Auburn 247. Uh, we appreciate him and his time every single uh, time we're able to get him in studio and here on the show. Uh, talking Auburn football recruiting, nobody does it better, so be sure you go and catch up and, and keep up, I should say, with all of his content. Christian, tell them where they can find you, tell them where they can find your content, and uh, how they can keep up with you this weekend for Big Cat. Yeah, everything's over at AuburnUndercover.com. Um, we already have stuff kind of rolling there. We'll have a ton of coverage of the Demarcus Riddick announcement tomorrow, whatever it may be. I honestly don't know for certain one way or the other yet, but I'll be there. Um, and so we'll be live streaming it over there at AuburnUndercover.com. And then all the stuff for Big Cat Weekend, live updates. We'll have stories leading into it, commitment watch, stuff like that. So we'll have a ton of Big Cat stuff over there. For the next two weeks, when it starts tomorrow with Demarcus Riddick, you have Big Cat Weekend. You've got big names committing on August 5th. For the next two weeks, what are the expectations? What should Auburn fans expect? And what is Auburn expecting over the next two weeks? That's a great question. Let me break it down. It Auburn fans, if Auburn flips to Marcus Riddick tomorrow, I don't want to say Auburn fans should expect the world, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of possibility there where if you flip to Marcus Riddick, it's like, Okay, I, th- I think Auburn can flip Perry Thompson on Saturday at Big Cat Weekend. I think Auburn can land Jalewis Solomon. I think Auburn could land DeAndre Carter. I think Auburn can get Reese Baker in the boat. I think Auburn could get Malcolm Simmons in the boat. All of a sudden, if you land a Marcus Riddick, like I said earlier, the floodgates open and the expectations, fair or not, are going to rise quite a bit because you pulled that off. Not like recruitments are necessarily linked or they're connected, but when you get that momentum, you hope to build on it, and that would be a lot of momentum. Um, and I think Auburn, you know, in terms of what Auburn expects, I I do think Auburn is pretty confident about their chances going into Demarcus tomorrow. Riddick's mm-hmm. announcement tomorrow. Um, and then from there, they already have a lot of excitement in the Auburn building about what Big Cat could bring. But like I said, it would bring a lot more excitement. So I, I don't want to make this unfair on Auburn. I don't want to put too much out there. I don't want to. You know, say that the expect. I don't want to build the expectations up too highly, but if you land Demarcus Riddick, it's game on. If you land uh, Solomon, and we know you're in it with Bolden and Hayward, and maybe even guys like Zaquan Patterson, 
At what point are there too many DBs in a class? <laughs> because it feels like there's 100 already, and it feels like they very easily could land two, two or three more. I think they're really only focused on trying to get two more, maybe three more. Jalewis Solomon. It'd be like nine DBs. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Zach and Crime Dog just like, they don't stop racking up DBs. Yeah, to be fair, Ron Roberts uses the DBs quite a bit, and they're mm. very they're very important in his system. But Jalewis Solomon would be the last guy that you would land at cornerback, you know, specifically to play corner. And then you've got Bolden and Patterson and Hayward as your safety guys, and you would take one maybe two more of those guys i guess if two of them really wanted to hop on board but most realistically you would land one of those guys at safety and then you'd be done at db it it just it's it just seems like the possibilities are endless when it comes to what auburn could do what auburn could land um and and christian it seems like I don't know the last time a single commitment, and again, I know you said, and I don't want to do this either, but it kind of has played itself into this role where the commitment of Demarcus Riddick tomorrow is massive, and it seems like it has a lot of implications on what other guys could do. It's been a long time since I've seen one singular commitment mean this much for Auburn. Yeah, it's just, it's such a big building block. You either go into Big Cat extremely excited and fired up, with what you just did and what you could be doing moving forward, or you're a little, you know, you're still excited for Big Cat, but you're a little disappointed and all of a sudden you're going down the board a little bit at linebacker. Yeah. I think you've got a, well, I mean, you, you still got, uh, um, oh, you still have a ton Simmons of options at linebacker. And Shaw, and it's still going to be a, with or without Demarcus Riddick, it's going to be a very strong linebacker class because it'll be, I mean, DJ Barber, who, I think is kind of that fringe four star. He might be the lowest guy in the class when it's all set in the linebacker class when it's all said and done. And I still think he might have a chance to go four star. But I mean, how long before Demarcus Riddick and that how big that commitment is before that gets eclipsed? Yeah. I guess we'll see. A Christian, week, a month, a year. Quickly, the next time we talk to you, how many commits will Auburn have for twenty twenty four? They have 11 right now. If you talk to me after August 5th, they have 16. All right. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 joined us in hour number one. Stay tuned. We'll talk some college football news coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on ESPN 106.7. He is Carter Byrne. I'm Jacob Goins with you. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it one of two ways, ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You'll find a commercial free right there, right 
after the show or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast our number one was full of Auburn football recruiting we had Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 uh, one of the best in the business when it comes to Auburn football recruiting had him in studio for all of our number one talking about what Auburn has done so far all of the names that are going to be here for Big Cat Weekend and the possibilities of what Auburn could do in the next couple of weeks so if you missed any of that be sure to go and catch up later on today tonight tomorrow on uh, our number one on ESPNAU.com here's what's coming up though in our number two we'll talk about some uh, college football news some general college football news uh, maybe some uh, uh, decision dates and stuff like that when it comes to recruiting and then coming up at 3 30 Daryl Dapperich will join us coming up uh, to uh, talk some Auburn football preview Big Cat weekend as we are 39 days away from the start of Auburn football so excited to have Daryl on the show uh, and excited to get into our number two so we will do that right here phone lines are open though 334-321-1390 and Carter will talk about the the big news in college football today uh, the fact that Jim Harbaugh coach of the Michigan Wolverines could be suspended for the first four games of the season could be suspended for the first four games of the season uh for recruiting violations you want to know what that means for 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 Michigan football absolutely nothing uh <laughs> let me just pull up their schedule because they are their first four the games are weak. notorious for just stacking the first three games of their schedule because remember they played nine conference games stacking the first three games of their schedule as easy as possible credit to him here this is a step up over what they normally do game one ecu at home that ecu team is gonna be okay they'll 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 be a ball team yeah but they're still a g5 team that michigan's gonna handle unlv hey who's been a bottom 20 team in college football for the last decade plus one that's near and dear to my heart here Bowling Green Falcons and the Fighting Scott Lefflers, the worst <laughs> offensive coordinator I have ever seen. I've never seen somebody fail upwards more in his career. BG, and, baby! And parlay, hey, I know Tom Brady into more jobs than Scott Leffler. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, then, you know who they have for week four? It's their Big Ten opener, baby! Rutgers! <laughs> I mean, yeah, there is not a team with a legitimate pulse that can hold a candle to them. Other, I mean, ECU has a pulse, but they're a G5 team with a pulse, not a, not a P5 team. Uh, I mean, they're going to roll through those four games, and then he'll be back when they go to Nebraska and handle Matt Rule, even though I think think that think Matt Rule's going to turn that program around a little. I don't think the ceiling is ever going to be as high. You're saying he's taking Nebraska back to the glory days. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I think that he can get them to a consistent eight wins, maybe nine, okay. with with maybe a ceiling of ten or eleven in the odd year, kind of like we saw Wisconsin do for fifteen years when they just dominated the Big Ten West because they would always a contender. They would, they would win nine yeah. ten games with the occasional year where they'd win eleven, and I mean they had a year or two where they won twelve, and then went and lost by fifty to Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Mm-hmm. Well, the the possible four game suspension for Jim Harbaugh uh, are uh, they are 
Basically, they're tied to alleged violations that took place during the COVID-19 recruiting dead period, is what they're saying. I think they, they either had contact with kids when they weren't supposed to, or may, may have had a kid or two on campus. Level one a violations. La, a la uh, Arizona State. Yeah. And good old Herm Edwards. And then Herm Edwards tried to throw everybody under the bus except for himself. He knocked everything off the shelves on his way out. You better believe it. That's and why uh, that that affected the course of the Auburn offensive coordinator search. If you recall, I believe it was was it Zach Hill? I think it was Zach Zach Hill was When all that name. was going on in he Arizona was the State. He coordinator uh, at Arizona State and he was going to come to Auburn to be the offensive coordinator last year. But in the Herm in the process just threw him under the bus. Yeah. And he made him unhirable and he did not get the job at all. Yeah, Harbaugh, um, he faces a level one violation, which is obviously the most serious uh, violation, according to the NCAA, uh, for not cooperating with NCAA enforcement. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. Uh, Carter, I'm curious to to get your to get your opinion on this because this is not the first, obviously, this is not the first coach to get in trouble for recruiting violations. I don't think it will be the last, but how how many more of these do you expect to see? How how more often do you expect to see big recruiting violations like this now that everything is changing when it comes to the periods are changing a lot, uh, transfer portal, NIL stuff continues to change? I mean, recruiting in college football is a ever-changing event. Well... I think this is entirely contingent on what can the NCAA do about our friends in College Station that basically said, forget you and your rules. We are going to do what our state says we can do. What are you going to do about it? And if they, can't, if, they don't, if they don't do anything to Texas A&M, if they can't do anything to Texas A&M, none of it matters because the NCAA is dead. Well, then that's when, and you and I have talked about this, that is when the Power Five conferences or a group of six or seven conferences are going to have to come together. It doesn't they, have to be the Power Five. It has to be the Big Two. It has to be the SEC and the Big Ten saying, hey, we're, we're, we're going to go do our own thing. Yeah. And then they go to the ACC and Big 12 and the Pac-12, if it exists beyond the next two years, uh, and say, hey, you can jump in the boat with us or you can get left behind. Right. When they ultimately give the NCAA a big middle finger, um, they're going to have to come together and make a and become a governing body within themselves because the states aren't going to make any decisions on if you can have a kid on campus during a certain time. Like They're worried about the law. They're worried about NIL and, and those types of things where when the with the NCAA, they – they like to tell you they care about recruiting. They like to tell you they care about their rules. But this, when it comes to when you can talk to a certain kid, this is a governing body that's not the law. That's not a state government. That's not the United States government, if that makes sense. They're two separate governing bodies. The actual government and whatever is ruling over college athletics. And whatever the college athletics one is, because the NCAA is not going to exist that's when the conferences have to step in and make those rules, and they'll have to find a way to enforce it. And that's going to take some time, man. That's going to be a nasty situation whenever that comes down because it's ultimately going to happen. It is. It's going to happen, and it's going to be quite a disaster for a few years. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be very uh, interesting uh, just to see how everything kind of develops here. Uh, by the way, in my research over here, you're going to talk about a kind of fall from grace here, Zach Hill. You know what he's been up to yeah, the last? Yeah, what's he? What's he The doing last now? two years, he was an assistant coach last year. He's a high school for coach somewhere. American Leadership Academy, Gilbert North in Arizona. Yep. And then this year, he's going to be the head coach at Cigaro High School in Tucson. I knew it. I knew he went to the high school ranks. Hang on, is this is this in? Are there two of these? Oh, it's in Scottsdale. Scottsdale. So we're talking about a guy who was. On the verge of being the offense coordinator at Auburn, was an assistant coach for an Arizona high school last year because of the actions of one man who decided to just say, I will deflect responsibility onto everybody that works underneath me. Yep. And uh, it didn't turn out really great for any of them. So uh, there's that. Uh, you have uh, you have something that you wanted to talk about when it comes to Dylan Wade, Avery Jones, uh, in the update on those two gentlemen, right? Uh, yes, both of them made the two four seven sports all transfer team uh, or all transfer portal team, which is I think that's huge, and I, I think people are sleeping on Gunnar Britton. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the pictures that the the offensive line keeps putting out and this stuff that they uh, they keep going to dinners and stuff. It's a really big group. Gunnar Britton looks massive. Um, I think I think the offensive line and defensive line played yeah, paintball yesterday. Yeah, and yeah. Shockingly, it sounds like the offensive line may have just dominated the D line in paintball, which feels totally backwards. Why? It's because paintball. you're they're bigger and they're not going to be as fast <laughs> and they're not going to be as athletic. It's about it's, accuracy, it's, though. It's, it's harder, about accuracy. It's harder to hide a six foot six, three hundred thirty pound man than it is a six foot four, two hundred sixty pound man. Which is fair, but again, maybe the offensive line was just more accurate. Maybe they were just better sharpshooters than the defensive just, line with a paintball gun. They're snipers out here, huh? Hey, they might be. Who who knows? And and I I, I did see that picture. What was that yesterday? Right, I, I saw that picture online that they were all there and uh, that. If, Talk about something I would not want to do is go paintballing with the offensive and defensive line of an SEC football team. I think somebody went shirtless at the paintball game, which is an insane move. <laughs> that is ridiculous. I don't that's, care how tough you are. That's the wildest move I've ever seen in my life. That sounds horrible. That what? asking for just the Was most he shirtless painful. in the picture or was he shirtless actually playing paintball? Do you know? Tay Johnson was not wearing a shirt in the picture, and there does not appear to be a shirt in sight. He also, which this is hilarious, he has a little like riot shield in front of him as well, <laughs> which that's awesome. I don't I need a that. shirt. I have a riot shield. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Have you ever been paintballing? I have. I have. Do you um, like it? It's fun. I've only been like once or twice. Yeah, I've only been um, once. I, I ran out of paintballs in one game, and so I had to play decoy because, you know, you, you can still make the sound because you, you've got the gas. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound 100% the same, but I literally charged with just shooting essentially blanks and <laughs> uh, to distract the other team so my team could kind of flank them from the other wow. side and sneak in and get the uh, flag and win. I'm so proud of you. And uh, got popped three or four times in the same hand. The back of the oh. back of my right hand to the point that my right hand was 
was bleeding. It looked like, and it was all yellow paint, so it was like if you mixed uh, ketchup and mustard. Mm, Fun not good. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, there's there's a great mental image for you at home. Um, yeah, I've only been, I've been once, and it was fun. I just, you don't, the opportunity to go paintballing just doesn't come up very often. You don't have a bunch of people that's like, hey, you want to go paintballing? It's also kind of expensive. Yeah, uh, it, it is. By the way, I don't know how on earth um garner langlow could possibly hide behind anything because he's the tallest offensive lineman and he looks like a human fridge out there. <laughs> he's a big human being i mean wh- wh- where do you hide somebody like that it's insane you, it's ridiculous you don't hide you just you just play for him you just stand there and you just play and <laughs> you hope you shoot them before they they get you but uh no I did see that that the offensive and defensive line for Auburn went and played paintball so a good team bonding experience I they're all them. wearing like basically like uh their team issued under armor stuff I'd be wearing random other stuff trying not to get paint all over it. I don't think it matters they're probably like hey we're going paintball and under armor can we get some t-shirts thanks and uh and Under Armour gives it to him. It's probably how that goes. Kendall Simmons has a just yellow paint splatter like right over his heart where he, somebody just sniped him. Uh, I love it. The it, mental image you, of watching these guys the, run and play paintball. The, the big old fella out there who hasn't played football in 15 years out here um, playing with the, with all these college kids. Uh, I just love, I love that. That's, That's fantastic. Awesome. Well, uh, it seems like they had a good time and uh, we expect it to be a good time this weekend at Big Cat Weekend where they'll have all sorts of fun events set up for all of the players that are going to be here. We'll talk about that and what Christian had to say from our number one coming up here when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. Then Daryl Daprich of Locked on Auburn will join us at 3.30. So that's what's coming up here on ESPN 106.7. the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067 as uh, during the break Carter's telling me why it was a bad day for the city of Boston in sports. Um, You're clinging to hope that that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can actually win something together. They can. (laughs) I'm convinced (laughs) they can do it. Yeah, I'm sure every year they get older, it's just more experience, and they're going to figure it out this time. They will eventually. <laughs> they better because the Celtics just signed Brown to a the biggest contract in the history of basketball for five years, so they better figure it out. I wouldn't get your hopes up. I think you should resign to the fact that you're going to be a uh, Eastern Conference semifinals team for the next five years apparently what no they're better than that are they they were just in the finals two years ago and they got worse despite having a better roster agree to disagree and your coach isn't there your coach is in houston the one that took you to the finals no that is really depressing it's not gonna go well for the Celtics. <laughs> I, like you I, I you are i'm watching you try to spin this into you're you're the dog in the burning room with a coffee cup saying <laughs> this is fine everything is fine it is fine because jason tatum will carry this team to a championship once again i believe it uh so that happened today and then uh Patrice Bergeron, longtime Boston Bruin, uh, he retired so that was depressing but he was old and it was time for him to go but um 
coming back to Auburn, talking about uh, some really positive things. You have Big Cat Weekend coming up this weekend. And uh, we had Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 in the studio. Uh, if you missed any of that from hour one, again, be sure to catch up with the podcast later on today, ESPNAU.com. Um, he had some really good things to say, and uh, he he is in the same boat as pretty much everybody else that it starts tomorrow with the commitment of Demarcus Riddick, 4 o'clock. If he picks Auburn, I think you can feel, if you're an Auburn fan, I think you can feel really, really good about what the next two weeks hold for Hugh Freeze and the staff. Oh, I said this yesterday. I didn't say it in front of uh, Christian, but I think this has a chance to be the biggest and best two weeks of Auburn football recruiting ever. It's a bold statement, I know. But, dude, if you land on Marcus Riddick, if you land the commitment from DeAndre Carter this week, Ed, Perry if you Thompson. flip a Perry Thompson, if you come from seemingly out of nowhere and land maybe a K.J. Bolden and a Jalewis Solomon, we are talking about not just blue-chip guys, not just four-star guys. We're talking top 150, top 50. We're talking five-stars here, man. Mm-hmm. This class is going to be really, really good. And it's crazy. I know we keep coming back and keep beating this dead horse, but like the fact that Auburn has not played a game under Hugh Freeze yet, they have not played a single down of real football under head coach Hugh Freeze, and yet the possibility of what he can do in recruiting is unbelievable. I mean, it would be truly remarkable for him to sell an image and to sell a future to these guys about what they could be and what Auburn could be with them. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that he's lying to them. I'm not saying that he's trying to to fool them. I'm just saying it's a flat out miracle. That he can do what he's doing without playing a single down of football. Yeah, yeah. And look, and and I think there's going to be a proof of concept this year on the field. I think this this team is going to be better than a lot of people think. Uh, I think that starts with Peyton Thorne. By the way, don't know if you saw this. I did see this. Boy, didn't take long for those uh, starting quarterback odds for Auburn to shift money talks baby because money talks. it was it was robbie ashford minus 140 yesterday or something yeah today and peyton thorne was plus 100 yesterday yes today peyton thorne is minus 200 at the last time i saw it well it's because everybody listened to our show and they were like oh my god we have to go put money on peyton thorne to win the starting quarterback job and the odds just flipped on its head overnight in las vegas well everybody realized Oh my God, what a great opportunity to just make free money. And to, I mean, to rob Vegas barring, blind. Barring a catastrophic injury to, to Peyton Thorne in fall camp. God forbid. Like, no, he's, he's going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 not, it's not Robbie's job. Yeah. It, the, the, the leadership aspect, everything points to Peyton Thorne being the guy to me. Everything I've heard, Hugh's comments. Talking about the 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 story about going and going to Hugh and saying, Hey coach, can you get me a sheet of paper with everybody's face and everybody's name on it that works in this building? So because I want to know everybody's face and name. I want to be on a first name basis with everybody. Man, that tells me a lot. 
It really does, just from a leadership perspective. And we're hearing great things about his quarterback play, you know, just his development. About his mentality, mm-hmm. too, and his work ethic and the way that he commands the room. I mean, I'm really excited for fall camp. I am. I'm really, really excited for fall camp and fall practice to start. Uh, I mean, we're a very short amount of time away from that. Um, but yeah, I did see that. I thought that was interesting that we talked about it yesterday and all of a sudden people realized hey, let's take Vegas' money, and they're going to do it because they had him as an underdog, and he is going to win the starting job. So Say it went from you could, you could throw $100 down and get $100 back on top of your money. Uh, now you've got to throw $200 down and get $100 back on Peyton Thorne. It doubled, yeah, literally doubled overnight. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, did see that. But, uh, yeah, this weekend, this weekend at Big Cat, and this, again, this two-week period, because it's not just Saturday. We've talked about DeMarcus Riddick. We've talked about the guys that commit on August 5th if they choose Auburn. Um, and, and then whatever comes after that because of Big Cat weekend, Big Cat day, if you will, on Saturday. And... It's just a it's a nice change of pace. It's a nice change of scenery. It's a nice change of conversation for us in this area to talk about the success on the recruiting trail. It is. It's a nice thing to see because not only is Auburn getting the big names, not only is Auburn talking to the big names, you're also flipping the big names. You're taking guys from Alabama. You're taking guys from Georgia. And I promise you, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and every other coach in this conference and in college football, when some of these start hitting, because they're going to, they will start taking notice. And they're going to say, oh crap, we have to pay attention to what's going on in Auburn. You can't Mm -hmm. just overlook Auburn. You can't laugh off Auburn. You can't just tell off Auburn in a recruiting pitch anymore. That's not happening. Hugh Freeze has changed that narrative just like that. And again... They haven't even stepped on the football field. Yeah, I mean, this is the momentum being built is nothing short of unbelievable, and I think it's only going to continue to build and build and build. And man, I I don't recall a time where I've been this hopeful about the future of the long term extended future of Auburn football in a long time. Maybe I mean. Maybe I like tricked myself into buying into the Chiswick era because of Nick Fairley and Cam Newton, and was like, "Oh, like this is he's going to sustain this," and could not have been more wrong. Well, I think but, we all drank the Kool Aid on Malzahn too, just because of how it started. You know what I mean? Like how how quickly it started, and everybody was like, "Oh, this is going to be great," and then it just yeah, the momentum yeah. never carried through. But by the time you get to 2015, that had, that was gone for me. Oh yeah, I agree. Because because but the first couple of years you were came like down all right, to earth not really as, fast. You didn't you didn't crash into the earth like Gene Chizik did, but you came back down to earth very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I remember having conversations in the 2017 season, going into the SEC championship game, hearing that Malzahn was negotiating a contract. And just being like, Auburn should not give in to these demands at all. If right. he wants to leave Auburn for Arkansas, for let Arkansas. him do it. Yeah. And Auburn, sure enough, uh, Stephen Leith signed the contract that set off a wild chain reaction of events. Wild. Uh, that has resulted now in Hugh Freeze being the head coach. What a time. And look at where we've come from where we were 
with Auburn football. And speaking of Auburn football, we'll talk to Dale Dapperich about all of this when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goetz, and we're joined by Daryl Dapperich on the phone lines, contributor for Locked on Auburn, and uh, a guy that worked very, very hard in Nashville next week. Daryl, good to talk to you, man. Man, it was great. I really enjoyed getting to know you and hanging out with you and all the other Locked On guys. It was a fun uh, fellowship of brotherhood, that we, and we got a lot done. The, the networking and the connection there was a great, great time. I'm, I'm really glad we went. Yes, and we, uh, like you mentioned, got to get to know you very, very well, and, and I enjoyed every second of it, and, and you were nice enough to take us out to dinner. So, we, uh, of course, we appreciate that very much, and it was a great week to get to know you. So. It was good. Like I said, there was a lot of good networking going on and a lot of good contacts made. But more than anything else, I really enjoyed, you know, I know it sounds kind of corny, but the fellowship and getting to know Mm -hmm. people, put names with faces and that kind of thing. So that's the biggest takeaway that I, that I, you know, that I have from, from SEC Media Week last week. Daryl, how was your uh, cupcake? You know, I didn't eat the cupcake. Uh, man, I'll tell you what. I did not realize that if a team wins a national championship back-to-back, that they could be so thin-skinned and rear-end hurt. I'll say that nice. Rear-end hurt. My mentions the next day uh, looked like a check a checkerboard with all the red and black in there. I mean, for, it was just they were our, so hurt. For our listeners at home, Daryl posted a picture of a cupcake and said it made a comparison to Georgia's 2023 schedule, and that's what set off this chain reaction of very upset Georgia fans. It was so organic how it happened. We were we got done shooting a, a show, and I was about to sit down, and the Locked On A&M host was sitting there, and he said, is that your cupcake? And I said, no, it's Georgia's schedule. And a light just went off in my head, and I said, I gotta, I took a picture of it, posted it on Twitter and said, live look at Georgia's 2023 schedule. You would have thought I said something about Vince Dooley that was ungodly <laughs> to print. They went, but, and, and, you know, here's the thing that's so funny. They kept coming at me with, yeah, because Auburn's on that schedule. That's why they're cupcake. And I was like, first of all, I never mentioned Auburn. I didn't say Auburn's a better program than Georgia. Auburn's schedule's tougher than Georgia, although it is. And then, Carter, you put a great stat up there. I put another graphic up there that just is straight facts. It's from ESPN, FPI, and then CBS Sports that showed Georgia had the easiest schedule in the SEC, not the East overall SEC. Yep. I can't help that. Don't shoot the messenger. That's right. But the more they argued that, well, Auburn's on their schedule, I was like, the more you're, you're proving my point. I mean, all I said was it was the easiest schedule, however you want to take that, and it's it's – true i mean numbers and analytics back it yeah i mean and and i've their schedule is very similar to me to last year yeah you had Ole miss with maybe the easiest schedule i've seen an sec team have through the first seven games they were i think the 36th schedule in college football which was far and away the worst schedule in the sec you look forward to this year that Ole miss team has the number one schedule in the country going into this next year so it's i think the, the difficulty of schedule is dictates how some of these teams go, and I think it's Georgia 
looking at this year, I think they're going to pretty much walk to their their undefeated season because of it's just so favorable, like those first seven games for Ole Miss are. You know, in making the argument, this is what I find to be just amazing and just laughable. Making the argument that your schedule is so tough and come play it because you add three teams that you play at the end of the year when you when you make that that your case and you throw your schedule out and you add the SEC title game and two playoff games is so invalid because you don't get to those games without your cupcake schedule. Mm-hmm. So throwing those in there and beating your chest going, hey, we had to play this team and we had to play the – you don't get to play playoff games if you had to play a real schedule. You may not even get to the SEC title game if you had to play some of the schedules. So that that is null and void putting those teams that are in the postseason – in your schedule, regular season only, mm-hmm. there's an argument to be made. Look at it at the end of the year, and you can really judge how tough a schedule is because you're projecting now at the end of the year it's facts. But don't include, don't include the postseason. That's a joke. The postseason is always the, all the best teams. Well, Daryl, I was just so proud of you for, for thinking to post that on Twitter in today's age of social media, and it blew up, and, and I respect you, and it was hilarious. So congratulations, <laughs> sir. You're now well-known in the man. Twitter world. I was looking over my shoulder for a little bit to see if I had a man that, <laughs> man that barked and had um, st- spikes on their shoulders, but, you know, it is what it is. Daryl, I saw you and Zach talk about it on Locked on Auburn, and then obviously it made some news uh, yesterday when Bet Online put out some odds on the starting quarterback uh, for Auburn in Week 1 and had Robbie as the favorite. How shocked were you to hear all of this big Robbie Ashford buzz in Nashville? And uh, how... How surprised are you that the odds have switched, gone taken a 180 in 24 hours, and now uh, Peyton Thorne's a decently heavy favorite to be the starter in, in Week 1? Yeah, t- t- tackling the first question, um, I was a little surprised. Look, I-, I don't want anyone to think that I've got a dog in the fight. You know, with, it, There always seems to be like people aligning in a certain camp or a certain faction. I don't care who the quarterback is as long as it's the best possible quarterback for Auburn, period. Fill in the blank. If Robbie Ashford just assented into this quarterback from year one to year two under Phil Montgomery's tutelage and became Malik Willis but could throw it for 60%, God bless him. I don't care. I just know that when you go out and handpick a quarterback that played two years in the Big Ten and had kind of the years that Peyton Thorne had, you don't do that if you feel comfortable in your quarterback room. Okay, So that being said, I was very surprised that there was this buzz about He's ascending, and there's his athleticism, and and you know people kind of talking him up based upon a really innocent statement that Hugh Freeze made about him being the best athlete at quarterback that he's had in a long time. And I think you do got to keep him engaged. If you you're one snap away, one injury away from playing your backup quarterback, and you'd much rather go to a Robbie Ashford that played eight games last year than somebody else, Hank Brown or Holden Gurner, who did not. Number two. I don't, you know, I know that there's some different people that have some different takes on that. I, it, you know, disagreeing's fine, but I still think Robbie Ashford is going to be used in certain packages. It can be very, very helpful. So that that did surprise me a little bit. The thing about Vegas concerns me for two reasons. Number one, Vegas ain't stupid, yeah, and so they don't put something out unless they they don't they don't they don't lose money. That for years and years and years since the mafia were there. The, the Vegas makes money. So I don't understand what they knew or what information they had 
that would have prompted them to have him the odds-on favorite. And now that went, like you said, completely 180, and, and it's even more in Thorne's favor. Is that because a bunch of people went out and said, oh, this is crazy. I'm going to have my house payment made for the next eight years. I'm betting on Peyton Thorne to win this. And all the money shifted to Peyton Thorne, so they had to switch the odds. I don't know. I'm not in the inner workings of that. I find it troubling that they put that up to begin with like they knew something. What they based that upon, I have no clue. What they switched it to Thorne, I suspect has to do with the number of wagers that were placed on Peyton Thorne. Well, Daryl, I've said for years that uh, the buildings in Las Vegas are pretty nice, so it seems like they know what they're up to. Yeah. You don't go in there. They, they don't – you don't make a living off of beating Vegas. So I don't, again, that, that's concern. Like, did someone, I'm not trying to make this nefarious or anything, but did they, like, I don't know, did they get information from the media or did they, like, just, were they just lazy and said, oh, he's the returning starter, he's the incumbent, somebody said nice things about him at SEC Media Day, so we're going to think that the odds are going to go from him. Because they sure dang switched quickly within 24 hours, which I find really interesting. Well, well, Darrell, let me ask you this. Talking about this quarterback situation, we're 39 days away from the kickoff of Auburn football. You already said that you don't have a, a dog in the fight, right? And I don't think anybody truly does care who the starter is. They just want the best guy out there. What does Auburn need in 2023 from the quarterback position, whether it's Robbie Ashford, Peyton Thorne, etc.? What does Auburn need from the quarterback position this year? Okay, great question. If, if it's Thorne, because I think there's going to be a little bit different variation of an offense run, I think Robbie Ashford will run a different offense if he wins the job slightly than Peyton Thorne would, meaning what we saw at A-Day, and it was dynamic, and I know it was raining, and I know defensive linemen couldn't get their footing, but the read option and the run game looked really, really good at A-Day with Robbie running it. Like That's what he was built for and made for. And that's not what he ran under Harson. It was drop back, throw, hitch, drop, you know, three, four steps. I mean, that's not his forte. If you can get him using his legs and throw a little deception in there where he, you know, the read option where he pulls it and then walk and then runs in between the tackles or he pulls it and throws over the top of the defense, he is so much more dynamic. So I think you would see a little bit more read option heavy if Robbie was there. And all you would need from him is to complete, you know, maybe 55, 60% of his passes, maybe throw it 15, 20 times, which you'd like to see him get like Nick Marshall numbers on the ground. If you could do that, you could be successful in that offense. If Peyton Thorne is the quarterback, I'm going to need Peyton Thorne to throw for at least 2,700 yards and complete 60% of his passes and have a 5-1 to TD to interception ratio. That You know, 20 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 2,700 yards, uh, you know, the 60% of his passes. If if Thorne's the quarterback, that's the kind of numbers that I don't think Robbie has to have dynamic throwing numbers, just efficient throwing numbers. And I don't think Peyton Thorne needs to have dynamic running numbers, just efficient running numbers to escape, you know, rush and that kind of thing and to keep the defense honest. So you can flip flop those, but that's what I think for each quarterback, what the analytics say for them to be, for Auburn to be successful that they need to bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. I think that Robbie's got to be a better passer. Peyton Thorne has to be mobile enough. I think he's sneaky, more mobile than uh, most people think. But switching gears, tomorrow is the start of a really big 
couple weeks for Auburn in recruiting. Demarcus Riddick makes his announcement, Big Cat Weekend this weekend, uh, and then a couple announcements on August 5th. Just how important are these next two weeks for Auburn? They are program-altering, in my opinion, without sounding too dramatic. I think the foundation was laid by Hugh Freeze when he came in and took the class from in the 50s to the 20s, the 2022 or 2023 class. Okay, that was some foundation right there. Then he goes into the portal and I guess has the third-ranked portal class to get immediate roster turnover and inject some, some talent into the roster. This is all about sustainability. We talked about this off the air that Auburn's been great sometimes on those two, three year hit, you know, and then, you know, they had like a one year wonder and then they next year they fall up with nine or 10 weeks and then they drop off. If you want sustainability, if you want to contend every year, if you want to go to bowls every year, if you want to be a program that's in danger of having 10 wins every year, you have to sustain it. You can't have the quick fix. What you Freeze has done right now is flip this roster to, for immediate improvement. But to sustain it and to compete for championships every year, you better have a top 10 class and need to have one consistently in the SEC. And we've talked about this at nauseum. Gus Malzahn did for a long stretch, but did not develop. He, was, he did some good things recruiting, but could not develop like he was supposed to to get guys in the league and to get them to play at a high level. I think Hugh Freeze can do both. This is step three, phase three in the transformation. Have a tremendous 2024 class. It could be program-altering if you get a top-10 class. Show proof of concept on the field this year by winning eight or nine games that Albert is ascending, and then I think you're off and running and the sky's the limit. And, Daryl, that's the thing I keep – I keep just hounding and pounding is the fact that Auburn under Hugh Freeze has yet to play a single snap of football. Exactly. That's that proof of concept. So I think that there's always components and there's always, you know, phases of a rebuild or getting a program where you want it to go. And he has checked every box, in my opinion, to this point. The two that are left to be developed left to be determined the two unanswered questions is on the field performance and a recruiting class that he gets to have start from finish recruiting that he's not coming in late that he's built relationships with since last february those are two unanswered if he can get on the field and win eight or nine games win a bowl game look good doing it and then come out with a bang up 2024 class that's top 10 then he's checked all the boxes and so there's two variables left. There's two tests, in my opinion, left to uh, see you know, how. Now, I'm not saying it would be fatal if that didn't happen. I think it just prolongs the rebuild and the, it prolongs the, the ascent to relevancy quicker if, or slower. If he doesn't show it on – like if he wins six games next year, loses some recruiting momentum and has a top 20 class again in 2024 – and misses on some five stars, I think you extend the timeline on the rebuild. Dale Daprich joining us on the phone lines. He is with uh, Locked on Auburn. He appears with Zach Blackerby on uh, most of their shows over there with the Locked on Network. Daryl, always a pleasure to talk to you, my man. I appreciate you and your time. Again, it was uh, such a, a special week last week getting to know you and getting to hang out with you and all the guys. And so uh, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and Zach with Locked on Auburn. 
Yeah, you can get us wherever you get your podcast. Spotify, Apple, on there weekly. Go to YouTube. It drops at 7 in the morning. The Locked on Auburn uh, podcast on YouTube. And then I'm on 710 with Ben Taylor on WANI. Double D Mondays every Monday morning. Daryl, as always, we appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, brothers. Take care. Take Thank care. you, Daryl. Appreciate it, Daryl. That is Daryl Dapperch again joining us on the phone lines. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Big, big thank you to uh, Daryl Dapperich for joining us on the phone lines. Uh, we appreciate him and his time again. I really enjoyed getting to know him personally last week while we were in Nashville. Uh, I had met him a few times and talked to him, but never actually got to really spend any time with him and so uh, I appreciate the the friendship that was created at SEC Media Days last week and now uh, Daryl will be a weekly guest at two on at 3.30 on Tuesdays, and so uh, we appreciate him and his commitment to that. We look forward to talking to him every single week, especially throughout football and basketball season and baseball. Daryl's a huge baseball guy, so uh, looking forward to having Daryl Dapperts join us on Tuesday afternoons here on the show. So thank you to him, and also thank you to uh, Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, who joined us in hour number one to talk all things Auburn recruiting. He is our uh, recruiting guru, and so uh, we appreciate him and his time we talked about what Auburn has done up to this point we've also talked about uh, what Auburn can expect tomorrow with Demarcus Riddick the impact that that commitment has uh, on this class and what Big Cat weekend could look like and what the next couple of weeks could look like for Auburn football recruiting as well so go check out Daryl and Zach on Locked on Auburn go check out um Christian and Jason and Nathan and all of those guys at Auburn 247. Mm-hmm. Uh, be sure you go check them out and check out our podcast today at ESPNAU.com. But uh, Carter, I know we'll talk some more about it tomorrow. It's guest heavy tomorrow. We've got uh, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 and Austin Hannon of Bama Central. So won't have a ton of time to talk about it, but we'll continue to preview and talk about what the impact is of Demarcus Riddick. He's set to commit around mm-hmm. four o'clock sometime tomorrow. Uh, um, but again, you just can't you can't overlook how big hey, and if, how important that commitment is. If he wants to move that timetable up like an hour, that's what I said, man. Even awesome. even three thirty, especially fine. if he could if he could sneak it in right before we have Hannon on, because that'd be a great talking <laughs> point with him. Yeah, he. Uh, we'll ask him about that tomorrow. He may not. He's not a huge recruiting guy. Um, but but when the when the five star flips to Auburn instead of Alabama, you think uh, he'd know about it? It would it would generate some some reactions from him, I would imagine. Well, Christian said he'd put in a good word with DeMarcus because he's going to be there. So maybe if Christian gets down there early, he just says, hey, man, look, I got some buddies back in Auburn that we, you got to help take care of. They're on the radio. They want to talk about you. You just need to commit a little bit early. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be spectacular because it would – really uh generate some conversation on the show and uh would would make that second hour a lot of fun it would well hopefully auburn gets the commitment of him and then you and i can talk about it on thursday's show 
Uh, Bill and Dan will be able to talk about it whichever way he goes, pretty much as it happens. So that'll be exciting. So uh, that'll be tomorrow. Again, here on our show, we'll have uh, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 talk to him a little bit about some recruiting and what could happen between Auburn and Georgia. And then, as I mentioned, Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us as well. But uh, yeah, it starts tomorrow, man. A big two weeks. It starts tomorrow for Auburn with DeMarcus Riddick. It's going to be so massive and there's gonna be so much momentum picked up off of this and I think it's gonna set a tone not only in this class but maybe when you get some of these 24 guys starting to pop and commit maybe you pick up one or two of these 25 guys that kind of are are lurking and and looming there for this Auburn class that really hasn't gotten rolling in 25 past Malik Autry uh, it's going to be a very exciting two weeks, and I think if you're an Auburn fan, honestly, these next two weeks, to me, should kind of excite you more than whatever you're going to see in the first month of the college football season. Yeah, I think that's a fair I think it's a fair statement. I really do. It'll be, I think it's that's a, a fair statement. It's a longer-term payoff uh, on that excitement, but uh, yeah, I think you should you should be extremely excited about these next two weeks. I think that plays both ways. I think it plays into the fact that there could be some massive recruits that commit to this team and to this program and what that can mean for the future, but it also plays to the fact that the first three games of Auburn's schedule are just kind of eh, right? I mean, you do go on the road to Cal, but I don't expect that well, to be a competitive I mean, game. up everybody and their brother thinks that Cal's going to win that well, game. I don't care about them and their brother. They're wrong. I agree. Cal can't score. And, and Auburn's and defense is going to be sneaky nasty. You can tell me about the production they return and the transfers they bring in. I don't care. Their quarterback's going to be good, though, Carter. Returning production doesn't matter if the production was bad. Just ask the Auburn offensive line the last, like, three years. True. Well, tomorrow starts what should be a big two weeks for Auburn football in recruiting. Until tomorrow, 2-4, to right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.